When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley here today, two days before the start of spring drills. On Friday, we will have an opportunity to speak with with Brian Kelly. We've been looking forward to this, the start of this, Tim. Two months of speculation about uh, about where the 2019 Nordic football team is headed uh, with eight guys at the, the Combine and a ninth Sam Musterfer gone from last year's team. There's a lot to replace, but a lot of good football players coming back as well. Seems like I started some spring previews about a month ago. We may have to recalibrate that next year because this one uh, its the earliest start I can remember, March 1st, technically March 2nd, I Well, guess. you know, a lot of times the spring game has been on the last weekend of yeah. April, and now, we've, now it's been pushed up to April 13th. What they want to do is, they, I mean, they, they basically have spring practice starts and it ends six weeks later, right. approximately. They get a good break for real spring they break. They get a break for spring break. It also gives them an opportunity to spread the practices out and get all that meeting time in between. Uh, I get it why they why they do it. It used to be, I wrote about it this morning on Thursday Thoughts, there used to be 25 spring practices all open to the media, which was a, a pretty incredible opportunity. It's no wonder that we had such great insight and that I'm still in contact with a lot of the players they used yes, to cover because you were around, you were around so much that they had an opportunity to get to know you a little bit. The nine open practices, though, including the blue goal game, is great for us this year. It's great for subscribers because you get practice reports, and eight of them are uh, full full viewing. That's real. Really it's incredible. I, and I want to. I mean, I want to commend Notre Dame. Thank Notre Dame for that opportunity. I don't know what what went into that decision, but we we will take it. The one we don't need to be full is the first one because they're not in pads anyway. So it's that's perfect. true. That's yeah. the actually yeah. ideal way to set it up. And we, I mean, there's been there's been quite a few things for. I don't want to say the lower rung players because you don't even have the freshman in you, but there, there's been signs in the past of when Sam Mustafer was coming up. You, you we watched him learn to snap in spring practice, mm-hmm. where his redshirt freshman year, you're like, this is going to be a struggle. And he's a three-year starter, but that you kind of see the process going. And I really want to bring this up. I did a little spring primer that'll be uh, on the site later today. Last year, you don't you don't want to jump too much into the first practice report. Now, by the time you get going, you really start to see some movement, see guys making moves up the depth chart. But there's a feeling out process at the beginning, because last year. First spring practice report. Yeah, relay some of this information that came out last year's first spring. Uh, Lohi Gilman was with the second unit. Jordan Jenmark Heath was with the first at safety, you know, playing linebacker. Josh Lug, first unit, not Liam Eikenberg. Michael Young was ahead of Chase Claypool. Tommy Kramer was at right tackle. Robert Hainsey was at left tackle. Adi Ogundeji was third team. He became a quality second string football player. DJ Morgan, who didn't play at all, was at second string linebacker. Three guys at the top in the two deep transferred by the end of the semester. <laughs> so a lot of stuff will happen. It'll change, now and, and, that. and yes. that's why you know I, I put out like my last pre-spring impressions today. That's all going to change here in the next. Yeah. Uh, the next, you know, we're not going to get as much access right away, and then they have the week off, which we'll get into our our podcast schedule. We'll, we'll go two next week, and then maybe, well, probably just one when when they're off, but. Uh, 
we'll have an opportunity to, to see a lot more practices over, especially the last 11 practices. I believe eight of them are open. That's great. Including the blue goal game. They've actually started to form some of what Yeah, the it'll be, it, this should be really good for us and really good for, for our listeners and our, and our readers. So, um, yeah, that'll, that'll start on Saturday. Um, Brian Kelly tomorrow. Brian Kelly tomorrow. It, you know, People always ask, you know, who in one of our questions in the second segment, who do who is it you want to see? I don't look at it like that as much as I do of all the young guys that didn't make an impact, didn't play last year. I want to be open-minded and watch them and see the progress they've made. If that means Ovi Ogufo is the one that steps forward or Derek Allen or George Takis or whoever, it doesn't matter. Those are the guys that can make the biggest strides. And in some respects... The fact that they didn't get an opportunity or really didn't see the light of day in their first semester can kind of be beneficial for them. I mean, they're they're, you know, they know they have to work. Like, or a guy like Jack Lamb, you know, yeah. a guy that had that was injured and didn't get an opportunity. We've heard good things about Jafar Armstrong and how her, how hard he's working. Not that he falls into that same category. He's more of an established player or one that has played, but. I don't go into it necessarily saying, okay, I want to see what that guy did. I, I just want to, I want to be open-minded and see who steps forward because when you're young and then now you've had another two months in the weight room um, with Matt Bayless, now you have an opportunity to make significant progress. It's redshirt freshmen, even redshirt sophomores like Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa sure. that we, we were high on a year ago. Why not be high on them again when they have kind of a, a right. career reset, a career reboot? Then, right. of course... You know, some of these guys do fall to the wayside. It's going to happen. There's been plenty of, I've said a few names in that opening segment of what we saw last year that, mm-hmm. that obviously are not there anymore. But this, it's a, this is a fun spring because maybe last year was more fun because it looked like, boy, these teams are These guys are going to be really good because they have Jerry Tillery, Tavon Coney, and Drew Tranquil, and Julia Love back. But there will be some new blood this year. New blood doesn't necessarily mean 12 and 0. But. It's fun for spring practice. No, it will be. And, and we obviously, most of our questions are about the spring here in the second segment. So I did want to dip into the NFL Combine, which has begun this week. It'll start getting serious here late in the week. The times and the measurements and those things are all going to be very important. Last week we talked about Drew Tranquil wanting to run a four-five-five. Very important for him. Eight guys for Notre Dame. One that's not there is Sam Mustafer. I had an opportunity to interview him last week. And obviously... You know, and Alex Bars told me this, that he was really bummed out and disappointed, and Sam confirmed that that he was. It's a weird combine snub for me for a guy that was the starting setter on a 12-0 team, three-year starting setter. Whether he deserved to be an All-American or not, he made an All-American team. That just sounds like you could be invited to participate in the NFL combine. And I remember Cody Riggs wasn't invited. Right. And I remember thinking, well, it's a good player not be invited, but you can see that a little bit. He hurt his foot. He might not have been healthy enough. His measurables weren't there. He was a kind of a one-year guy in the spotlight. It's weird to me that Mustafer's not there, but Mustafer will have pro day, obviously, with a lot of these other guys coming back to impress. And I, I, I understand that he's a one-position guy. It's just strange that at a large collection of talent that the starting center, three-year starter from a playoff team isn't there. Yeah, I would agree. I think, well, number one, he thinks he, he can be a guard, too. I'm not sure that that's accurate. Number two, I think... The fact that there are eight other Nordian players may have worked against them. You know, at some point, the people that make these decisions have to draw the line yeah, with, that's... with a program or, or you know, at a position. I don't know that there are that many great established centers that are out there. Uh, it does speak to a lot of the critique that I guess we offer during the season of Sam Mustafer. I asked him because there have been some speculation about him being banged up during the season. I don't think I put this in the story, but I asked him specifically about that, and he said no. 
There wasn't there wasn't anything in particular, but he said, you know, I, he felt like his body work spoke spoke for itself. Uh, but he moved on. He said, I, I'm not I can't dwell on right. what happened with the, the combine. All I can do is is um, is stay out here. He's in Anaheim. Stay out here and, and keep working and be ready for for Pro Day, which is March 20th. 17 former Nordane players at Pro Day. I know you wrote that up. Three of them had grad transferred yeah. grad, grad transfers. Uh, but man, that's a bunch. We got a we got a lot to observe on March 20th. No quarterbacks. So if you're a uh, <coughs> quarterback, hopeful in the future, they need someone to throw. Now they have, they have to contact somebody. That that's happened in the past though. Then they bring in a Central Michigan quarterback one year. Am I? I might be misspeaking uh, on the college, but they brought in some of that nothing to do with Notre Dame one year to throw because he his he was an NFL hopeful, so to speak, and yeah. he had no one to throw with or throw to. Yeah, I wonder how they'll I, – I mean, I'll, I'll try to find out who might – Well, I did ask. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's, it's to be determined right now, technically. It's not just from us. It's to, it's to be determined, but they could bring in anyone that wants to do it. Like, Jimmy Clausen could come do it if he, if he felt so inclined. For instance, if he he's graduated, but if he were on campus yeah. a couple years – like he was a couple years ago, he could throw – Ian Book could do it, but it would count as a practice. Really? Yes. Any, any the quarterbacks would lose a practice. Oh wow! So I'm guaranteeing you, Ian Book and Phil Dracovic would love to do that. Yeah, <laughs> miss practice 14 or ah. something. <laughs> but that's, yeah, I, uh, Montgomery Van Gorder is it could could be available to do it as well. I don't know if he's accurate enough, um, uh, but uh, we'll we'll find out who uh, who ultimately would do that. Not, um, I, I mentioned the, the Mustafer interview. I also had an opportunity to speak with Mike McGlinchey, one of the greatest guys in a world. One of the great leaders at Notre Dame. He really was. I thought of his name when you said your, your access back in the day, why you got to know them so well. There's about four guys a year. who McGlinchey we get, we is get the exception. McGlinchey's a guy like that. Uh, Zach Martin was yes. like that. You just talk yeah. to him so much. He represents the university. Win or lose, they're out there. Talk. Drew Tranquil is another one that's out. Well, there. I think McGlinchey and Tranquil. I look. I'm biased. When I went through my little uh, health episode, yeah. McGlinchey and Tranquil were the two that right, actually right. reached out to me. Which you know, you remember that for the rest of your yeah. life, uh, however long that rest of the life is, longer than I thought it might be at one point. But um, yeah, you appreciate that, and that you know, that's the kind of guy that Mike McGlinchey is. Had a great rookie year. Uh, they the 49ers only went four and twelve, uh, but by all accounts, he had a really, really, really good rookie year. It was interesting to hear him talk about pass rushers, and uh, you know he he faced a battery of them early in the season, and his head was spinning a little bit. Also interesting to hear that during the 49ers Bears game, that as he was coming by the Bears sideline, he stand actually. Gave him some advice about get out of your own head and start playing and stop worrying about getting beat. That's, that's great. Isn't that amazing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, that was interesting. You had an opportunity. This is something we've been working on. It took us a while to get the story, or for you ultimately to get the story, but Armando Allen, former Nordic running back, is now the running backs coach for Autry Denson at Charleston Southern. It's a Notre Dame public interest situation, I think. Armando Allen joining him. Allen was at Texas Southern for three years. So it's remarkable how they got together because Autry Denson was coaching at South Florida for, without being flippant, about a month. He took the Notre Dame job yeah, after taking that. I talked that. to him right after that, yeah. Yeah, he, Armando Allen, happened to be in Tampa with his fiance. looked up Autry Denson, really liked what Denson had to say about how he views football, and he views football as a Christian outreach. Armando Allen views it as a way to mentor young players. It's kind of a I don't think Allen goes quite the same way as Denson does in that. Archie Denson said in the article, if you haven't read it, 
we are a Christian outreach program that plays football. And he believes that that will translate right. on the field. Armando Allen really just wanted to get into coaching because of two guys at Notre Dame. Um, Mike Haywood was the guy who recruited him, of course, and his first running backs coach, and then Tony Alford, who he's close with to this day. So he just says that, you know, I knew I wanted to mentor kids. That's what helped me. And that's those two are together now in Charleston Southern. Be, they're looking forward to watching one game yeah. this year because they can watch the Monday night uh, oh, right, Notre Dame right. game with Louisville. Yeah. Right. And the best part with Armando, he was, you know, he was pretty late. I, I knew Armando from covering him. Yeah. And he's, they both said their favorite moment of Notre Dame was off the field. I thought Denson's was really nice that his kids know Notre Dame beyond their dad. That's cool. Yeah, and then Armando's was, of course, just being a 17-year-old kid coming on campus with Clawson and Gray. But Alan, I asked Alan if his worst memory was in Ann Arbor by any chance, and he just lost it. He knew he, what you were talking about. He knew exactly what I was talking about. He said to this day it bothers him, and he's getting mad thinking about that overturned call where he did not step out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing is segment one, junior day, and not not to get too deep in that. It was more of a 2021 um, type gathering for uh, for Notre Dame last weekend. But Tyler Buckner, the the quarterback out of La Jolla, California, there was some speculation that he might verbally commit to Notre Dame. Uh, there is a film review in the can waiting for him to do that. He didn't do it, uh, and, he, and he he wants to visit Stanford before he does that. He hasn't had received a, a, an offer from. Stanford yet. I know there's some concern on Notre Dame's part because Tyler Buckner, who I really like, played his freshman year and then tore his ACL four plays into his sophomore season. So there's no, you know, a legitimate sophomore film on him, but that's a very mature kid with good size and he's a good athlete. And I think Notre Dame would do well with Tyler Buckner, a quarterback in 2021. Off topic, you must have a lot more kill that story film reviews because I, my, my f- <laughs> ones I always remember will be. That summer prediction series has been going back a long time now. And in 2014, the day before they announced the Frozen Five situation, I had the Daveris Daniels will score 10 touchdowns to lead the team. <laughs> Got to kill that. Got to yeah. kill that story. There's, there's been a few of those. For yeah, me, there, the, you there, must have one, there has. one uh, a month. Uh, yeah, the, well, the, yeah. <laughs> There, there, there's a few there, um, you know, and, and well, I just did the film review on Braden McGregor, who I, I've seen him. It wasn't like I didn't know who he was, but it was I thought I'd actually done a review on him. And I checked with Jack and Jack's like, no. Yeah. And so it's like, OK, I've got to get this on record. Well, I watched him on Monday and that is a great football player. Um, and he was listed as the 274th prospect by 24-7 Sports. And my reaction was, if you would have told me before I watched this film that, OK, you're about to watch a five star guy. After I watched it, I would have said, okay, yeah, I get that. Well, long story short, and I, I, don't, I don't think there's any connection here. I didn't talk to anybody at 24-7 Sports, but he was uh, – Braden McGregor was elevated to number 27 in the country, and I think he's I think he's worthy of that. The bad news is he's probably going yeah. to go to Michigan. But Notre Dame's in there fighting for him, and I, I think he's a real difference maker at, uh, at defensive end. So uh, Lance Taylor on the job recruiting yeah. running backs. They offered Kyle Edwards. Juton uh, McLean was a guy that came in. He's kind of Chris Tyree light uh, if they don't get Chris Tyree. So they're going to make some inroads at running back uh, coming up here with Lance Taylor. So we'll be back with segment two, questions from our readers burning up the boards. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Segment two, burning up the boards of Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from at bman underscore 2017. Following Missouri and Barry Odom's announcement about full media access during spring practices, what changes would you like to see Notre Dame make in that respect? To be fair to both sides, I think there's three ways I would handle the practices. Spring, I think it can be as open and interview as many players you can get out there and interview as humanly possible. You don't have to interview the spokesman for the program in the spring like you do in the season. I, there's, there's something to protect them from. Let them come out and talk. We can write stories about them all summer because of it. And I throw the uh, assistant coaches into that mix as well because they're grown men. August, I think they handle it pretty well. Um, you know, you are buckling down for a season. You have chosen captains and leaders. Those are the guys that are going to speak for your team. The only thing is they do it on media day too, so you can maybe kind of find a way to, to intersperse some of the guys that, that are challenging for roles. I know you can't put everybody out there because look, some freshmen are just all of a sudden getting buried and they can't. They don't want to go talk to the media. Um, and I don't blame them for cutting off. I think they give us good access those first two weeks. It's like four or five open practices. I don't blame them for cutting it off once you hit two. You're, I mean, they're prepping for Michigan. You really need to have the media right. sitting in there watching you do that anymore after two weeks. Right. Two weeks, and I would do what the what coaches do, and I would close practices in the well, season. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, even if I were, I, I think maybe Missouri needs the the yeah. attention to their program. I would never open all the practices in the spring. I think that's too much. I, I, I mean, I'm kind of in accordance with you on access to the players that time of year. Kelly, early on, now this is the Cincinnati Central Michigan coming with it with him at the time. Remember we interviewed on the oh, field yeah. in the, uh, right after yeah. the spring. That was spring. Um, I think there might have been a little of that in August. Now I totally understand. Where you got you got to button it up a little bit as it gets going. But I don't. I think April they should get as many guys out there for their interviews. I think there's good stories for all of them if you get to talk to them. And then without the pressure of answering questions about the season, right, upcoming there, opponent or no, something like that. They did nothing wrong. They yeah. haven't not earned playing time. You're not asking a guy why he hasn't played in two years. You know, it's it, it seems like you could throw more yeah. out there. Um, then you got to get a little more careful if you're Notre Dame when you hit August. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I and I, I mean I think I think by and large Notre Dame handles it really well. Would would we like to have access to? All of the assistants at one t- one time throughout the spring, yeah. But and in the season, I've always felt that um, each assistant coming out even just once, sure, it'd be great. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Now, with and, that. and you don't have to do it in a way that they're going to get uh, bombarded by everybody. Of course, if you bring, you know, if you bring out like three assistants after week one, and there's ten minutes, yeah, you got to spread out and get those assistants yeah. and get off. They they used to, I mean, they used to be able to bring out coordinators and assistants. Yeah, and to, assistants. and to be fair, I mean, the way we understand it, it, Brian Kelly doesn't want all of his assistants speaking on behalf of the entire program, yeah, or you know, during during the spring or the year. That's fine. That's his prerogative. Uh, I think by and large, Nordame does a, a a pretty good job of. Giving, I I can't. I'm sh- I'm shocked at. Eight full practices yeah. in the spring. Uh, apparently, it's that's the time a, to do it, though. It really no, is. there's it's, no, it's there is, there is. But I'm, I'm surprised at it, and I, I love the four to five. I appreciate in it. Yeah, the four <laughs> to five in August has changed. Uh, reason, like I don't know, maybe five years ago, I would say. Um, yeah, it's probably after 2012. Yeah, I, it's a great idea because they they're open completely. You're not just watching 20 minutes of stretching yeah. and a drill. So it it really helps a lot. And as I said, boy. if that was a coach I wouldn't want media anywhere near my practices at least the last week of August and all the way through the season. Well, and I think they cut off like last two weeks, they and, 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 and we understand the, that. They're prepping and, for the opener, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, I I think Mike Birch is the one that has pushed forward at, at Notre Dame to get the four open practices. The four opens, yeah, yeah. For sure. 
Uh, I'm usually giving him grief, so I want to give him props here because I really do appreciate the opportunity that we're going to have to watch them uh, this spring. The fall's different. You're getting ready for the season, buttoning it up. I, I totally understand that. Uh, at Wusterhoff, besides no injuries, spring ball will be considered a success if? I th- well, from a media point of view, if we have a sound, solid opinion from talking to the coordinators and watching all these practices on who the starting linebackers are, who the other starting corner will be if Sean Crawford's not back, and if there is a true number one running back. There's going to be a number one running back. I want the number one running back I, to be Jafar Armstrong, and it's not 1A and 1B. No, I'm of the I'm completely of the mindset that Jafar Armstrong's going to stand out this spring. There's no doubt that he's going to be the starting running back. That's that's my perspective on Jafar Armstrong uh, as the the player and the person, uh, the, the person that we know at least up to this point. And I didn't include any of the freshmen like Lacey that are very important because they have miles to go still in the summer and August yeah. before they can be in, in that. Well, position. I'm totally with you about the linebackers. To me, that that's the biggest question. Uh, I addressed this in Thursday Thoughts. I, there's a lot of trepidation about the defensive tackles. There's only four that anybody feels comfortable with, and one of them is Jacob Lacey, the, the, the mid-year enrollee. I think those four are going to be fine. The, the the question is, how do you find, you know, number five and number six that that can give you quality reps every day in practice? I like that four though. I think the competition between Tagovailoa Mosa and Jason Adamiola is going to. Boy, that's a mouthful. Those two guys back to back. I think the competition there is going to be really, really significant. Heinish clearly is a starting nose, but I got a lot of confidence in Jacob Lacey. So when I look at those four. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't see as much concern there as I do at linebacker. Where to me, it's a little bit more up in the air. I completely agree because I think if the four defensive interior defensive linemen you mentioned are healthy, they're fine. The, the question there is what happens if they start getting beat up. Obviously, you can't necessarily say if the linebackers stay healthy, they're fine, right? Well, I w- yeah, no, I you would don't agree. know that. Yet. I, I think there, that I think yet. there's going to be a lot of testing, uh, uh, trial and error at linebacker between now. Right in the start of the season. I think Jordan Jen Markeith is going to make himself known one way or another, whether that means Asmar Bilal struggling at Buck or uh, Shane Simon struggling at Rover and they feel they need to move Bilal back there, what, whatever. There's a myriad of, of um, you know, different ways that that can all shake out. And I, I think that's going to – I don't think that – I think that's the last question to be answered on the defensive yeah. side of the floor. Tariq Bracey, to me, is the other starting corner. I have a question about that. I, in the spring, me too. I have a question about that, though. What if Noah Boykin is good enough that he doesn't have to be behind Troy Pride all the time? Like, that would be a goal for me, if for Noah Boykin, where you say, might they move Noah Boykin away from Troy Pride so he could actually compete, too? Uh, maybe him or Bracey could be yeah. a nickel. Right. That's where you look at it and you don't just say, <coughs> okay, he's behind Troy Pride because there's right. another, they need to have a corner. Now, we all expect Pride. Kyle Hamilton, when he comes in, to to make a push for that nickel yeah. spot at the very least. Uh, but, th- no, that's a good point. And, I, you know, we've all been high on DJ Brown, what little that we've we've seen of him. But it's the defensive side of the ball are where all, most of the questions are. I mean, wide receiver, okay, Kevin Austin or Michael Young. Well, it's probably going to be, to some extent, both. Yeah, I would think. With the other two starters returning in Claypool and, and Fink. So, to me, there's not as much mystery there. To me, it's more, I want to see 
the third and fourth string tight ends and how they run around and how they can make a contribution. Next from Way to Go K-Man, who makes yet another podcast. What player are you most excited to watch in the first spring practice? This gets back to my point in segment one. I, I, I mean, I don't have one. If I said one, then I could, I mean, I could say five others. I want to see the backup tight ends. I want to see... I don't want to go into okay. He's he's emerging. He's a whoever does great. Yeah, you know, I mean, whoever that is. There's a lot of young players that we have not seen, and I want to see some of those young players emerge. I don't care who it is. The most important thing in modern Notre Dame coverage by media, because you have to be an analyst along with a reporter, is don't look for yourself to be right. Boy, that's huge. That's huge. And you when you're spend wrong, all time looking for yourself to be right, you're not. You're watching <laughs> the wrong thing. Exactly. And when you're wrong, admit that you're wrong. I totally believe in that. So, who I want to be right about? <laughs> no, I, I do want to see. Well, I want to be right about Jafar Armstrong. <laughs> yes, but, of course, he's an important guy to be right yeah. about. Uh, but Ade Ogundeji had a bit of a breakout effort in the Clemson game to the point where if things would have just gone better everywhere else around him, we might be talking about him more. I want to see if he's taking the next step because. Look, Khalid Kareem is an All-American candidate, but if Okendeji can play, it helps out the nickel because Kareem already moves inside. Yes. There's things you right. can do with right. these four guys if he's taking the next step. Yeah, I, you know, I would agree. I mean, I think guys like, you know, when you, quote, pull for somebody, you want to see Josh Lugg emerge. There's what we yeah, talked about third him. Year and... Right. It's not, I don't care who does it, but that's a guy like, okay, it's time for him to, to make a move, uh, Cole Komet, he needs to become undoubtedly the number one. Not that not that he has competition for the number one spot, but he needs to play like yeah. the number one tight end, a guy that's a viable option anytime you want to throw the football. And then Rover's fun to watch because two years ago, I was really yeah. excited about Jeremiah Wusukoromora. He's been injured. Last year, I was really excited about Shane Simon, and now they're pitted against each other. Yeah, so that's right. Kind of a... And, you know, certainly, Derek Ellen was highly rated. We all thought he was. You'd right. like to see him, you know, really step forward, but... There isn't a starting spot available no, back there, not, and that's a good thing. It'd be nice to see if you're just thinking, wow, that is a huge step by Derek Allen, because yeah. there are two starting spots available the following season. Yeah, no doubt. At Irish underscore GL, what do you think the impact of Lance Taylor will be, be this spring? Are there tangible differences he can make, or is it more of a feeling-out process? Yeah, I think on the field it's a feeling-out process. The tangible difference is <laughs> going to happen in recruiting right. with Lance I agree. Taylor. Um, Autry Denson had no problems on the field with his players and getting running backs ready to play in Notre Dame. Now Taylor has Autry Denson's players to get ready to play in Notre Dame. That's a good thing. That's yeah, I mean, from the standpoint of protecting the football and that yeah. players they, have they emerged. Will, they are well-coached players, and then, of course, he's got some youth coming in. His biggest challenge is... Getting that third guy, because the third guy is going to play. The third guy meet matters at running back. You get in because the second guy gets hurt or the first guy gets hurt. There's yeah. no way the third guy doesn't get significant reps. I think there's been one season in Kelly's era where the third guy was irrelevant, and that was 2011 when it was Jonas Gray and Sierra Wood. They didn't really have a third. Well, Gray got hurt at the end of the year, and they had to move Theo. So yeah. at some point, you need a third guy. And we're not mentioning mentioning Avery Davis often enough because well, right. he was he, in well, a, he could be the third guy. He, he, could, he be could be the third guy. guy. I guess the thing that I want to see out of, excuse me, Tony Jones Jr. is, and and this is more probably Matt Bayless than, than yeah. Lance Taylor. I mean, I'd li- you'd like to see him come out with a little bit more burst. Could, could, is is two months uh, in, in the weight room and, and conditioning enough to – 
you know, pick up a little bit more burst. He needs that in order to compete with Jafar Armstrong. Because he has good hands. He's He knows what to do. I mean, he knows where to be in pass protection. He has really good hands on those wheel routes out of the backfield. I mean, the screen pass was the easiest play of his life against USC. It's the famous one. But the Vanderbilt game, the little hook routes against Wake Forest, yep. he could make a difference as a complimentary running back. But you're right, a little bit quicker finishing off plays and get a little hungrier, too. If Jafar Armstrong's the uh, yeah, lead and I think and yeah, there. and you'd like to think that that will serve him well because I you know I mean Jafar Armstrong, well he started the first couple games uh, of the season, yeah. so I mean he already beat him out, yeah. and I mean we we clearly can expect him uh, Jafar Armstrong that is to be at the top of the depth chart when spring opens. On that note, though, when Jafar Armstrong was getting more time, game three, Tony Jones had his best game ever. Vanderbilt game, but he just didn't really completely right. Pull them, and you know? and actually, for whatever this is worth, he started that game. I don't. He I must don't have know. It. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember it, yeah. exactly when they threw in the passes, but if yeah. that was if that was the whole idea behind it. And then having said all that, I mean, uh, getting getting back to the uh, the question from way to go, K man. I mean, um, there's Jameer Smith, there's Sebo Flemister, there's Kyron Williams. There's a there's a lot to see in, in the offensive backfield. I will say one thing about running backs. Our first write-up is the only one that won't matter because they're not wearing pads. So wait for the second practice report on that one. True. Uh, Jim underscore Booney underscore CRS. When Derek Allen committed, I recall Irish Illustrated, specifically Priester's film report, lauding him as a physical, mature safety with solid coverage abilities and a sky-high upside. The best secondary signing in years with Alohi Gilman and Jalen Elliott locking down safety next year and Kyle Hamilton competing in 2020. Where do you see Allen fitting the defense? Um, I'm not sure right now. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that there's an opening now. Of course you come out in the spring and you come out in better shape with a little bit more zip. I think that that, I think they're all looking for a better conditioned Derek Allen. I don't think that jumped out at me as much as it did. I know Samson in particular felt like he didn't, you know, he looked a little spongy, I guess. Um, so these last two months probably have been as spongy. No, that's not good. Uh, being called SpongeBob's yeah. no is not good. But um, you know, I mean, as far as these last two months, if you had to rank the most important players as far as the last two months are concerned, Derek Allen would probably be right up there. He needs to make a move, especially with Kyle Hamilton coming in in June. I want to hear Brian Polian say Derek Ham- Derek Allen has really impressed me. And he's one of the guys I can build my run teams around because Derek Allen didn't beat out Paul Moala for special teams last year. So Derek Allen, to get on the field, be a really good special teams player and be the backup safety this year. And then you contend next year with Houston Griffith, Derek Allen, and Kyle Hamilton. That's that's three highly yeah, rated no safeties going on. So no you, doubt. you could get something out and of I, it. You know, I'll own that film review. Yeah, I mean, he was very impressive. Me and every other guy felt the same way about him. I mean, Harrison Smith did not play as a freshman. It's okay to not play as a freshman as a safety, right? Harrison uh, very Smith true. Did not play as a freshman. Very true. So I did. It, I did find it interesting though. Last year, I mean, when Terry Joseph comes in as a safeties coach, and all of a sudden we're not talking about how difficult it is. He's a quarterback of the defense, and a, those two guys just, you know, Elliott yeah. and, and Gilman just came out and played, and you never even you never heard anything about how difficult it was to play safety. We should point out that we see him fitting at safety, though. We don't see the rover move that people talked about because of his little bit bigger frame. We see him slimming down and playing safety because that's what Notre Dame thinks of him. That's where they want right. him to play. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not prepared to make that move right now. And, that, you know, I mean, if I had a nickel for every guy that was a rover candidate, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in recruiting. I, I and keep then trying once to get move there. Ken Markeith over there. Just be, <laughs> no one's listening to me. There's no... Yeah, uh, at God 
3541-3541-7482. I hope I got those numbers correct. Uh, what early enrollee will make the most impact this spring uh, and or in the spring game? Lacey. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, that's... We'll be writing about him the most. Kind of a... I think that's kind of an easy first choice, yeah. right? Um, and secondly, I would say Zeke Correll, although I'm not I'm not doing where everybody else is in terms of he's going to come out and beat Trevor Rulin out. I don't think that's going no, to happen. I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's, that isn't in Notre Dame's best interest. Trevor Rulin... Trevor Rulin reminds me a lot of Mike Golick Jr., which a lot of people will say, oh... But I think that's pretty good because I always thought that Mike Golick Jr. played wide and he was a technician, and that's who Trevor Ruland is. He's had time from the torn peck to get a lot stronger. I think the I think one of the least of Notre Dame's worries in terms of transition players that were lost is at center with Trevor Ruland. I, I agree that Trevor Ruland will start the spring and end the spring as a starting center. I love Zeke Curl's future. Can't wait to watch him play, but. I think three five four one seven four eight two wants to know if Kyron Williams can make a splash because he is oh, a you okay. know he's, well, a, he's a spring skill position player at a position that needs a third option. So no doubt. It's, and I'm 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 you, when you talk about guys that you're looking. Yes, he's one of the early entry guys. He's one of the young guys. I absolutely I want to see for myself if he has that burst that he Kyron Williams himself believes that he has. I kind of want to see him. Yeah, it's hard to compare the two guys unless you. Well, we will after eight after sixteen hours of practice. But I want to see if he's as quick as Avery Davis looked last year. Just quick, sudden quickness. I don't mean he has to. You, as you talked about that extra gear, I just want to see sudden short space quickness where you go, whoa, all right. Yeah. We, even we saw that last year. It's controlled setting with Avery Davis, but there was a couple plays in. I think it, I don't think it was seven on seven. I have to go back to the notes. I think it was an eleven on eleven scrimmage where he caught that crossing route and just took it to the house. Yeah. Like whoa, there he does have it. He's still but coming, but coming out coming out of the backfield. There was there's only one Dexter Williams on that team oh, last yeah. year. That was, <laughs> that was good times. Uh, Dip ninety eight. Which is a bigger concern, Tim? Number one, replacing Miles Boykin's steadiness and production with Claypool Austin, two guys who haven't grown nearly with the same reliability, or two, replacing Dexter Williams with. Jones slash Armstrong, Smith, Flemister, Kyron Williams, a group of guys that are either unproven, less athletic, or injury prone. Uh, for me, I, I never think replacing the receivers is as hard as other people do, I guess. Yeah. I think Claypool will mature into a quality 1A, 1B receiver. I does think, he, think is too. Does he change? Does he move to the W? Depends. I, I think it depends on who else emerges. Right, because Michael Young's an X. Uh, Kevin Austin's a W right. from last year, right. I should say. People do think of Michael Young as, as a backup to Fink, but he's not. He is, he is mostly he moved was. outside. He at one, was. Yeah, at, at one, one point, point he was, but now it's Keys is, is, the, is the logical slot right. backup. Uh, mine is running back. Dexter was a special player last year for Notre Dame. He changed games. He changed the Virginia Tech game. He, he In his worst game, he picked up six first downs against Pittsburgh when nobody did anything on offense. Yeah. He, was, I mean, he was the best offensive player on the team if you didn't choose Ian Book. He was a, just a difference maker. So I, I like Jafar Armstrong only 1% less than you as a player. I think he's going to have a really good year, but I you need a couple guys like that. Yeah. Look, look at I, I hate to bring up this team, but Alabama's running backs, it's not just one guy doing that out there. Right. You can wear people down. with. If Armstrong now still had Williams, that would be a dynamic one-two punch. Yeah, no doubt. I think Armstrong's more explosive than... A lot of people think. I, I don't think he's Dexter Williams explosive, 
but I think he's close to that. And what I, I mean, I have always been impressed. How many times have we talked to Jafar Armstrong? Maybe five. Yeah, he's. I've always been. Yeah, he's really mature. I've always been impressed with him, not only in terms of the ability to converse with, you know, with us. But, Some people might not care about that as much as we do. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, it, but it shows but a sign, I, It does. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, it, well, that also means his ability to to, to communicate with his coaches, right. which is which is important as well. But, I mean, just his his determination and attitude towards practice and getting better and working hard, and we've gotten a lot of feedback about he's had a really, really good two months and is owning the position of of number one running back. I think my, to put a bow on this one, I just think some wide receivers will step up in this offense with Ian Book kind of running the show the way they do with Chip Long's offense. With You can use two tight ends. I think, I know Armstrong's going to step up, but you need more than Jafar Armstrong. I feel like some young receivers will yeah. step up. I, I'm, I'm fairly confident Kevin Austin will do that. I'm fairly com- I'm more confident that Cole Komet will do that. How much would we be a hundred percent confident if if Austin had never been left home for games, you know, mildly suspended? Uh, yeah, and if he had continued to play and done right, something right. beyond the Navy game when he had the big thirty-eight yarder, yeah, yeah. But I but I don't think Notre Dame is worried about Kevin Austin no, being I think focused we, and committed. We yeah. yeah, right, right. I mean, and well. When you get left home two games, that, that's certainly a red flag. He definitely wasn't flag, focused enough last year, but we're, this, no. is, this is a reboot for everybody coming in. You can't get left home two games in a row after being playing every single game and take it as anything but something went wrong and you need to mature. Right. And, you know, I mean, we Keys and Lindsay, let's see if they're ready to take the next step. I think the more logical of the two to be ready to take a next step would be Lawrence Keys, based upon what we saw last last August. At TDISU19, what is your impression of 2020 commit Drew Pine and the rankings drop? Not that it matters, but it seems many national scouts are falling off the bandwagon with him. Uh, I don't I don't know the reason for his drop. The only thing, he went from a four-star to a three-star. For those that aren't following this closely, he's one of the verbal commitments in the class of 2020. Um, he's not 6'2". He's listed at six one, which means he's probably closer to six foot. But he was that same size when he was ranked a four star um, prior to last year. I watched his junior film. I am incredibly impressed with his accuracy. I mean, he can fit. He can fit throws in, in, into a postage stamp, and um, I don't think that's changed. I don't know the reason for it. Right. I don't care the reason for it because. I trust my eyes, you know, based upon what I see with him. I wouldn't be overly concerned about him being a three-star. I don't know the reasons. I guess we can try to find out the reasons, but I don't think Notre Dame fans should be concerned about that. I liked Pine more than Clark so much that I accidentally put it in Clark's write-up, that it is not fair to him at all that I did it, but I just th- I see him in the middle right now of Dracovic and Pine. Um, I don't know why they dropped, but you know what? Someone will be right in three years and someone will be wrong. Right. Andrew, but that's... Accuracy, college game, it's a lot more important than those two inches. Yeah, it's, it's huge, and I think he's very accurate. You have another question there that kind of ties in with the— At M. Conlon 12, any cause for concern over the general drop in recruiting rankings given recent 24-7 developments? Is it a lack of attendance at camps given these athletes know where they will be going? I'm not sure how many camps that they've attended at the, at this point or this time of the year. Um 
you know, Michael Mayer is a great tight end. I think he might have been bumped up a little bit. Even if he, he wasn't, he was already high. He, he's a, he's a he great prospect. Two. I believe he dropped two, but he stayed in the top Okay, but yeah. he's he's yeah. a great cro- prospect. He is. He is. Kevin Ballman dropping a little bit. I'm not surprised by that, but he's still, you know, it's still a great one-two punch for Notre Dame. Uh, Aaronsberger, again, I don't really don't care what anybody rates him at. He's from Germany, whatever. That kid's got a ton of ability and length, and he's he's going to play. I don't understand the pine uh, drop. You know, I just I think that there's a sense out there that it's a bias against Notre Dame, and I don't I don't, I don't ever yeah. look at it that way. I, is there a bias against Notre Dame when it comes to rankings? I can't account for every person that contributes to those rankings, but again, who cares? I, I real I really just do not care about that. Now, when I see a guy that I think is a four star and he's rated a three star. I'm going to say, well, I think that's a ridiculous rating, like I did with Kyle Hamilton and like I did with Braden McGregor and his ranking prior to 24-7 sports bumping bumping him up. But if you think it's a bias, I I can't bias you. I can't change your opinion about that. I don't think that has anything to do with it. And you're right. I believe Mayer did get a bump up. He did. He's a that's a that's a really, really great prospect. Uh, Going back to at TDISU 19. Tell us. He reared double dip. Yes, it is. It is, and, th- and we're going to uh, we're going to wrap up with this question here. And it's uh, tell us about the time you were nervous to ask Brian Kelly a question because you were afraid of how he might respond. What was the result? Has any coach ever gotten to a verbal altercation with any of you? The only time I considered not asking Kelly a question I asked was after he bit your head off at the Arizona State loss. And I asked the next question, <laughs> and I literally yeah we weren't even we weren't even associates yet. No, you, we were not you, working. Bail me out. Yeah. And I, I, coach, I know all the interceptions were Golson's fault. And boy, he's why weren't they his fault? He's like, well, you just said they weren't his fault. <laughs> so I actually quoted him, and he's like, you're right, they were all his fault. So he would took. I think he realized he was a little worked up. He even said to you, "I'm worked up. Yeah, you're he... my guy right now that I'm going after or whatever." <laughs> Kelly, uh, you know the other. I, I think the one time I saw Kelly seething. Where I remember thinking, man, I just happen to agree with them. I don't know what to say here. Is the Florida State game? He, two, I mean, 2014, the flag. Oh, he was seething mad, and you kind of had to know professionally how to ask these questions yeah. because he was just—I mean, rightfully so, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, so everyone in the room kind of there's feels a picture that. of me with yeah. my uh, my in the touchdown <laughs> yes. signal uh, in the end zone. <laughs> I think you're supposed to do that. <laughs> I know, but somebody but, uh, caught me. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes you can catch how a coach, sometimes professionally you should understand how the coach is going to respond to things. Um, I know that I had a lot of respect for how um, former writer Andrew Owens asked a question after the Northwestern two-point conversion because he did the old professional move of lobbing a softball in yeah, and then asking about the two-point conversion. But when when you, you get an answer, even though it's nonsensical, that is the answer. I don't think people get that. He said, that's what the chart says. No, it doesn't. No chart in the world tells us to go for two there. But that's, what, are we going to sit there for 10 minutes and argue about what the chart he's holding says? Right, yeah. A yeah lot, a no lot, chart yeah. says that. A lot, a lot of people <laughs> but, want us to debate like we're a right. fan upset about right. the outcome, and that's not our responsibility. We're not on a podcast with them. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and I've been doing this 37 years, so has a coach gotten upset? Well, you damn right they have. Uh, just about every step of the way here at Notre Dame. The biggest concern for us, I think, is not that a coach is going to get upset. It's are you fair and do you phrase it properly? Right. And a lot of times 
you're trying to come up with the wording and it doesn't come out quite the way you would like. For example, the Arizona State reference, when I use the word, and it's totally on me, when I use the word flat, which any coach would be upset uh, when you use the word flat that you came out flat. My point was, it, it was wasn't, thirty-four to three for one right. Three. It wasn't just your quarterback; your entire team sucked. That yeah. that was that was my point. <laughs> also, would not have worked had you. No, that wouldn't that that wouldn't work, wouldn't have worked either. But I can go back if I could. Um, we'll go ahead, Tim. You need to go back and throw in a Tanuta story before you go back to the story. You're about well, to you tell. can go. You can go. So. Just go. Uh, just go to YouTube and look up Tanuta. I don't know that you have to type my name in, but John Tanuta, Notre Dame. Most of the time when he was seething, it was because I asked a question and it wouldn't, it didn't, I never quite understood why he was, why it was me, other than I just, I guess I just rubbed him wrong. It was a weird setup, too. He was kind of always, there was a seat for him, but he was always kind of standing and like casting this pose of, of, he was in the wrong he, frame of mind before any question was ever asked. And it was always Wednesday practice. It's not like after the game. Only the head coaches have to, I know, have to be able to balance their emotions. Yeah. Well, I had a situation. Jerry Faust once, when I was working for Blue and Gold Illustrated, uh, he threw a Blue and Gold Illustrated at me because he didn't like the letters to the editor. I had a situation with Tyrone Willingham where. Ears just perked up all over the podcast. Yeah. Right I had now, a situation with Tyrone Willingham where Jeff Samarja, the recruit, was at Notre Dame for a practice. And I'd been trying to get a hold of Jeff Samarja. And so when I saw him, I thought, I've got to talk to Samarja because I've been trying to get a hold of him. Well, when a recruit is on campus and you talk to him, it's a violation that the university has to, they they have to inform mm-hmm. the NCAA that this happened. My sole thought was, I got to talk to Samarja. It wasn't I just spaced it. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, man. You know, I I, I got to surreptitiously interview him, and you know, before Nordame sees me. Well, Tyrone Willingham thought I was trying to undermine and sabotage his program when he saw that I was talking to Samarja. I tried to assure him that wasn't the case, but he never quite bought that. You know who you didn't talk to during Willingham's practices? Who's a, that? A offensive line recruit that was on campus visiting. Who's that? Anyone. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't bring him in. No, <laughs> that's... You were safe. And yes, Samarja no. was definitely one of the best recruits <laughs> yes. that, that he ever brought in. And Should we relay the famous Dean Huppert story, the local broadcaster? Go, go for right, it. So we, are, uh, we hear this story from Dean Huppert, who worked... Uh, he's now at Mishawaka Public Schools, but he was with uh, WSJV News 28. Fact, yeah. I'm not saying that wrong. Um, I apologize if I did, but he was a longtime sports reporter here at, at local, had a lot of local responsibilities. And when Urban Meyer was a assistant coach at Notre Dame... Part of the Friday night high school selections included picking the Notre Dame game at the end. So after picking Jimtown and Marion and Riley and St. Joe, he picked the team Notre Dame was playing against. Well, turns out one wide receiver coach at Notre Dame did not like that because after Notre Dame won that game, Urban Meyer sought out Dean Hopper Dean and said, take that, Hopper. That's how much Urban Meyer takes things personally. Yeah, so we've all uh, we've all upset coaches. In fact, just a few weeks ago, when I asked Boston College <laughs> basketball coach Jim Christian about Notre Dame's short bench when they only played six players, he was like, "What about my short bench? What about my injuries?" And my, I didn't say this, but it was like, "Well, if there were any Boston media here, they could ask you about it." But I'm not Boston media, so I want to ask you about the six man rotation. But he didn't care about Notre Dame's problems, and rightfully so, he because Jim own. Christian has. <laughs> Has his own. So we'll wrap up with that. I want to thank our sponsors, the Black Tucks and Warby Parker. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. We will be back. Our schedule for next week right now, unless it changes, and I don't think it will, will be Monday. Uh, that's March 4th. It's because of 
practice is Saturday. Yeah, so practice Saturday. So we'll have a podcast on on Monday, and then uh, we will have coordinators on Thursday. So our, our schedule next week will be Monday and Friday. Of course, we'll remind everybody that. But uh, when when Nordame is in session here this spring, and there'll be a, a, a week off, uh, we'll be we'll be trying to hit two podcasts so we can. Uh, we can take your questions and talk more in our football. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you uh, again on Monday.